Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Turn to the person next to you and say, I am so glad you came to church this morning. If they're a bit far from the aisle, just point. Say, you, you, I'm really glad you came. Can we lift this up a bit? Okie dokes. Does this go up a bit? Here we go. Okay, so um, for the last couple of weeks here at Ivy, we've been looking across the sites at To Choose. And the idea is that your choices really define who you are and define your destiny. So we've been looking at different choices. And today, this morning... We're looking at Choose to Build Bridges. Has everyone got a piece of Lego? Can you grab it and pop it in your hand for me? So we're going to be looking at building bridges to people who are different from us. So, just to let you know, if I was God, when you became a Christian, this would happen. I would wrap you up in some cotton wool, give you a helium balloon, and send you straight to heaven. I'd be like, guys, guys, you know, go off you go. It's time to go. There's my little girl, Libby. I'm sending her off. Um, because I would, as a parent, I'm like, I don't want anything bad to happen to my kids. You know, when our firstborn was born, I was literally like, oh gosh, please, nothing happen. And as a parent, you don't want anything to happen to your kids. And so here I am, <clears throat> you know, just going, I would send you off to heaven. But... Jesus, he prays for his followers, something very different than what I would pray. And we're going to look at that, and we're going to look at what that means for us, how that is going to work out in our lives. So uh, have a little look if you've got your Bible, your iPhone, John chapter 17, verse 15. Jesus prays, prays this prayer for his followers, and it's this. My prayer is that you would not take them out of the world, but that you would protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world as I am not of it. I pray that all of them will be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. As Jesus prays for his followers, there are two things. One, that we would not be taken out of this world. And two, that we would be one, that we would be unified, that we would build bridges. Uh, This is an incredible prayer because it implies that Jesus could actually just take us out once we got saved, straight to heaven. So why on earth does he not do that? What is it about living in this fallen world that Jesus thinks is really important for you and for me? One translation puts it that we would be defined, that we would define this world and not be defined by it. I remember reading that in John and being like, oh, that's it. That's what I want to pray for my family. That's what I want to pray for my kids and my family. That we would be in this world and we would define it. That we would not be defined by it. So, how on earth, pardon the pun, do we do that? How do we be here and define this world? Okay, the Bible is full of amazing promises and uh, shows us how we can build bridges. So, I want to remind us of some of the promises before we look into the nitty gritty of how to build bridges. I want us to remind us the promises that we have in Jesus. 2 Peter 1, verse 3 says this For his divine power has been bestowed upon us absolutely everything necessary for a divine, 
dynamic spiritual life and godliness through a true and personal knowledge of him who is called us by his own glory and excellence. So another translation puts it that Jesus has the power of God, which he's given us everything we need to live and serve God. We have these things because we know him. Jesus called us by his glory and goodness. Turn to the person next to you and say, I have, oh, turn to them and say, if I am a follower of Christ, I have everything I need. Go. Mm. Thank you. Thanks, 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 thanks. Okay, so it's this incredible situation that once we become a follower of Christ, Jesus actually lives inside of us and it's his spirit in us that gives us everything that we need to live in this world and to go through the situations that we find ourselves. Don't get me wrong, Jesus didn't put us in these situations. It wasn't his design that we would go through hardships and trials and sufferings, but that actually through his spirit, he can give us the ability to walk through them and to come out the other side and to be changed. Check this. James 1, 2 verse 4 says this. Consider it sheer gift, friends, when tests and trials come from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try and get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work in you so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in anything. So this is mad promise, isn't there, that if we stay in the tough situations, the things that are really, we just want to run away from, that we just want to wrap ourselves in cotton wool and not be a part of, that actually the promise is that if we can stick in it, God has given us everything we need to get through it and that we will become mature, well-developed and not deficient in any way. It's pretty good, isn't it? Turn to someone and say, pretty good. Okay, so, right, so just a reminder then, we have everything that we need as we delve in. So we're going to look at three things. Um, We're going to look at how to build bridges in our own lives, how to build bridges in our local community, and how to build bridges in our church. So first off, how do we build bridges in our own lives? If we're going to build bridges in our lives, we need to realize that the goal of any relationship is connection, relationship. Yeah, God built us for connection, for relationship. That's why we were designed. And when when this was broken through sin, he sent his mission in place to redeem that connection. It says in Romans 5, but God demonstrated his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. True connection, to have a true relationship with Jesus and with other people in our lives, We need vulnerability. Vulnerability is not weakness. You can look at the cross and you can see Jesus dying on the cross and you can think, oh gosh, you know, that went really badly, didn't it? Yeah, he had some followers and then he died, really awkward, is really, you know, pretty gross, he didn't have any clothes on. Or you can see what's happening in the bigger picture is that Jesus is doing this incredible, vulnerable act to say, this is how much I love you. Even before you know me, even while you are stuck in your sin, I am taking it all for you. I'm loving you so much. I'm choosing vulnerability. I'm laying my whole kingly heaven down. And I am dying on this cross for you. 
It's this beautiful moment of vulnerability that Jesus has. And that's how he shows us true connection. He's willing to lay down his life. Like, so vulnerability is a tough word, but I really believe it's something that we need in our relationships. According to uh, Brenny Brown, she's a researcher from Texas. You may have heard of her. If you've heard of her, give me a whoop. Okay, check her out on TED Talk. She's great. She talks more about this, but let me just kind of quickly uh, say a few things. A quote from her is this beautiful quote. It says, Vulnerability is the birthplace of love, belonging, joy, courage, empathy, and creativity. It's the source of hope, empathy, accountability, and authenticity. If we want greater clarity in our purpose or deeper and more spiritual lives, vulnerability is the path. Vulnerability is the path. So for true connection, true relationship, we need vulnerability with one another. She even goes on to say that vulnerability is the birthplace of joy, creativity, belonging, love. It can also be the birthplace of shame, fear, and a struggle for worthiness. But if you take vulnerability out of the mix, you also take out true joy, true creativity, belonging, and love. If you take vulnerability out of your relationships with other people and with Jesus, you actually also numb all the other emotions, true joy, creativity, love, and belonging. So it's just this crazy thing, isn't it? Like, I don't know about you, but I pretty much prefer the connection um, to have a great relationship with Jesus. You know, I need something else like happiness, like vulnerability, seriously? I mean, it's not a nice word, is it? And often, we try and do anything, if you're anything like me, try and do anything to kind of numb that feeling of vulnerability. In fact, even writing this talk, I stopped halfway through and went into the kitchen, helped myself to a wagon wheel, two packets of crisps and a chocolate bar. (laughs) Because I was like, ugh, vulnerability, it just feels, doesn't it? But it's actually that emotion that we need to stay in that enables us to go, this is true connection. So what do we do to try and hide ourselves from vulnerability? Well, it's no surprise, is it, that we're like the highest medicated, obese society that's ever been. We try and numb with food and drink and medications. But as I've said, the problem is if we numb those emotions of vulnerability, we also numb being able to have peace and joy and hope. The other thing that we can do is we try and make everything uncertain certain. We see this, don't we, in religion a lot. It's like, uh, it's actually really hard to follow Jesus because it's a relationship. You know, we get to hear his voice. It says in the Bible that his sheep know his voice. And so therefore, we all have a responsibility to hear his voice for ourselves. But that's very vulnerable. Why can't I just follow a set of rules? (laughs) That would be easier. Tick list, love a good tick list. But no, vulnerability. The other thing is perfect. We try and perfect, you know, when we're feeling a bit vulnerable. I remember I had a car crash, and the next morning my house has never looked so clean in its life. I was trying to control and perfect something. You know, when when someone comes over to my house for tea and I've never really met them before, guess what? My house looks like a showroom. (gasps) I'm trying to perfect, yeah? If you know me, then you know that I'm happy to be vulnerable with you. My grow group's like, yeah, your house is a mess, yeah, that's fine. (laughs) Yeah, and the other thing we do to hide vulnerabilities, that we pretend what happens in our personal lives doesn't affect other people. So if if the goal of connection uh, and the goal of true connection, you need vulnerability, we need to have a little mantra in our lives. And this is what me and Andy have started to use, is that when we're feeling vulnerable, we click into this phrase. And this has helped me even this morning. (laughs) 
this phrase goes like this. Don't shrink back. Don't puff up. You be you. It's easy when you're feeling vulnerable and you feel threatened. You want to run, you want to hide, you want to predict, you want to control. But for true vulnerability, you just need to go, okay, don't pretend to be more than I am. Don't shrink back, don't run back. Just stand in the place that Jesus has called me and me be me. Vulnerability is hard. It's like saying, I love you first. Or saying, I'm really sorry, I don't know, I don't have the answer. Or, babes, I'm sorry, I got that wrong. But that brings true connection. So grab your piece of Lego. Who is it in your life that you need to connect with? Who have you shied away from being vulnerable? There's a brilliant picture, if we can just have the next slide. It's that moment, isn't it, where your adult self's like, no! But you know somewhere deep within you, if you actually show up and connect with that person, then you can restore a relationship that's been broken. Remember that in 2 Peter 1 verse 3 it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly living. He's given us the ability to reach out, to have courage, to stand in vulnerability when we want to run away and stuff our faces. He's given us the ability to turn and to, to build bridges with other people. Okay, secondly, building bridges in our community. Who knows the story of the woman at the well? Yeah, okay, well, get your Bibles or phones. We're going to John 4, chapter 4, verses 1 to 42. This is an amazing story of where Jesus meets a woman at the well. And it's not just any woman. She's a Samar- uh, from Samaria, and it's 12 o'clock. It's, you know, really hot daytime, and he sat down by the well, and she comes up. And Jesus says this brilliant phrase, which is full of vulnerability. He says... Um, hi, can I have a drink? Jesus is not supposed to be speaking to her. He's a rabbi. It's a bad idea to speak to a woman, especially when, when her husband isn't around. So he's breaking cultural boundaries as he speaks to her. Do you know, interestingly, this is, I didn't know this until I looked into this, but Samaritans actually worshipped Yahweh. They worshipped the same God that the Jews did, um, but they only accepted the first five books of the Bible. And so they were super despised by ordinary Jews because they weren't perfecting the law. And so it's this mad moment where I, you know, I thought this Samaritan woman, she you know, is an outcast. But actually, she believes in the God that the Jews believe in. And so when Jesus is talking to her, she's kind of going, yeah, I've read about that. That's who I think I'm looking for. And he has this a brilliant encounter. We're going to pick it up at verse 10. Let's have a quick look here. It says, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who asks you for a drink, you would have, you, sorry, and you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman says, you have nothing to draw with the, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you the greater of our father Jacob, who gave you the well to drink from it himself and did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I give them will become like a spring of living water welling up into eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I don't get thirsty and I won't have to keep coming back here to draw water. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right. 
And you say, when you say you have no husband, and the fact is you've had five husbands, and the man that you are now with is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. Sir, the woman says, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the, pl- the, that the place where we must worship is Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans will, wo- will worship what you do not know. We worship what we do not know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And they are the kind of worshippers that the Father seeks. God is spirit and his, and his spirit worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I am the one speaking to you. I am he. So this is totally nuts. You know, she's been looking for a place to worship Yahweh. And here comes Jesus. And he kind of gets, he looks at this this kind of, this functional group of people that have been looking for somewhere to worship that have been rejected by the Jews. And basically he comes and says, hey, do you know what? There's going to be a time when we are all worshiping together. Why? Because it's going to be in spirit. Where's the spirit going to be? In you. It's amazing. Jesus broke racial, cultural, gender, religious barriers to speak to her. It was a beautiful encounter that changed her life. And then... She goes on in the story, doesn't she? And she goes back to her town, tells everybody. Lots of people come follow us. And Jesus ends up spending two days there because so many people want to hear more about him and the kingdom. So who is it in your community? Who is the one person that you could reach out to, that you could speak to, that might be the doorway to other people's hearts. You know, I walk around my community and I think, wow, there's a lot of people and I don't know many people. And I think Jesus' example is brilliant. He spoke to one person. He was vulnerable. He asked for help. He didn't come like, I've got all the answers. He sat down and he asked for help. And so that's a great way in for us in our community is we can just meet people and go, hi, you know, can I be vulnerable? Can I ask for help? Do you need any help? And it might be just that one person that gets to know and experience Jesus and they pervade the rest of the community. Let us not be so concerned by the massive sea of need that we get so like straightjacketed not to be able to do anything. Just hold your Lego for a second and just see, is there one person, Jesus, in my community that you want me to reach out to? You know, next week, um, Safer Families are doing some training in the morning. If you were here last week, you'd know about Safer Families, but it's this incredible initiative in Manchester where people can come alongside and help people, struggling families, um, and just take out their kids and do something with them. If you want to know more about that as well, if you want to be slightly reminded, maybe the Holy Spirit's giving you a little prompt, you then come and speak to us at the information desk. There's loads of ways in which you can get involved in your community and you can build some bridges. And finally, before I finish, um, building bridges in our church. If this is your first time here this morning, you are super welcome. And you may have been here for a long time. And what I love about our church is that we are diverse. 
and there's lots of different types of people. That's the amazing thing. You know, there's a lot of my friends in church that I probably wouldn't have ever met if I'd been not been a Christian. You know, different ages, different races. It's a beautiful thing. One thing I want to just leave with us about church is I feel like in relationships in church, we need to have a little something more called empathy. Empathy is key in our relationships. And let me explain a little bit why. Empathy is feeling with people. Not sympathy, that's the opposite. So empathy is a bit like this. Okay, so somebody uh, is having a bad moment and it's basically like they're stuck in a hole and they're down in a hole and it's dark and they say, it's dark down here and I feel overwhelmed. And empathy is when you do this. You get down in the hole with them. You turn on the light and you say, oh gosh, I'm down here with you. You're not alone. Let me be with you. Sympathy is when you stand on top of the hole and go, woo, looking dog down there. You need a sandwich? <laughs> it's distancing ourselves. Again, it's that way that we connect in church and bring a connection with somebody when we empathize with somebody. You know, empathy is a vulnerable choice. And now, if you come to me one Sunday morning, you say, oh man, I lost it, you know, with my kids last night. I've got two options. I can say either, wow, that sounds bad. <laughs> Or I can say, oh, yeah, do you know what? Yeah, I know what you feel like. I did the same thing last week. It's about letting ourselves be really seen. It's about letting ourselves be really real. I think sometimes in church we can have a bit of a like fake Sunday vibe. <laughs> but actually, we just need to stop. And we need to connect with people as they share with us and be real in that moment with them. You might not even have experienced what they've experienced. But you can say things like, you know, thank you so much for sharing that with me. I'm here with you. How can I help? You know, I am the type of person who's like, Jesus can fix it in one step. Now, I know Jesus can fix it in one step. I've seen him fix things in one step. I've seen him heal scars. I've seen him um, heal my ligament when I couldn't move. I've seen him do amazing things. So I know he can do one step. So then I'm all like, oh, someone shares something, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to you know, give you a scripture, and I'm going to pray, and you're going to be great. Now, I believe in the power of scripture, and I believe uh, that that is good. But what I really feel like Jesus is saying is, in true connection, true relationship, what you want to hear from me is not really a massive like slap sticker of a band-aid. What you want to hear from me is, yeah, I'm so sorry. How can I help you? I'm with you. You're not alone. I know that's what I would want to hear. And I want to encourage us as church. Like, How can we be empathetic to those that are in our family here? How can we reach out to other people in true connection in our church? You know, there's been two amazing groups for me in the last year here at Ivy. First one is my grow group. They've been amazing. If you're not in a grow group, I really want to encourage you. It's a great way to connect with people and to allow yourself to be seen and to be vulnerable and be real. There are days when, you know, I haven't even got some makeup on my face and we're still meeting. It's all good. And the second group is um, Women at Work. Um, amazing, Emma Varnum set this group up, and it was basically to encourage people who are, who are ladies who also work. And for me, it's been amazing, because it's been those moments where I've like, I felt very vulnerable. In a creative job, that's a very vulnerable place. We were always offering, going, here's my images. Do you like them? And it's very, very um, vulnerable. Um, and it's an amazing 
group of people because you can just share honestly and you can go, yeah, I've, yeah, I've had a really bad day or that meeting did not go well. And, and then we can kind of go, yeah, I know what that feels like. And it's just that ability to be together on a subject matter that's important to your heart. And so I want to encourage you that if you're not connected in any way here at Ivy, then this morning is a great opportunity for you to decide how do you want to get involved? We have got so many things. There's brew crew, kids work, youth team, there's grow groups, there's CAP, there's all sorts of ways that you can get in, um, involved here. And please come again to the information stand outside and just ask about how you can get involved in those. So finally, as I finish, I am going to ask you to hold this up. Jesus, I pray that you come and speak to each one of us now about where we need to build bridges. Is it that we need to build bridges in our own lives? That we need to not shy away from being vulnerable? where we need to realize where there's relationships that we need to show up and be seen? Is it in our community? Is there somebody that you're putting on our heart that this week we need to step out and we need to be vulnerable and real with? And maybe it's our church. Maybe there's a place that you think, do you know what? I really need somebody to know who I am and see me for who I am. And get alongside other people. Just wait for the Holy Spirit. This is your time with the Holy Spirit now. He's going to speak to you. Okay, can I invite you to stand? Okay, so what I'm going to ask you to do is the, the band's going to play, and we've got a great time now for you to respond. We don't have to rush. We don't even have to get the kids for like 16 Earth minutes. Okay, so this is your time now with Jesus. And... Um, why I think that it was a good idea to have the Lego pieces is this, is that often when we make um, a bridge-building decision, it can feel e either quite a big deal for us personally, but maybe not a big deal for somebody you know, next to us, or they might not have a clue, or it might feel you know, not massively significant. But the, the deal is that when you come and you say, do you know what, I'm going to commit to building that bridge, and you put your piece down, and then somebody else comes and they come and put their piece down. That by 300 pieces later, we've built something together. And this is part of being in the kingdom of God, is that the small choices that you make that may, might feel irrelevant or might just feel small to you, that you put it together on the scale of what God is doing in his kingdom, and we are building something incredibly beautiful. It is countercultural to go up to somebody and to apologize. It is countercultural to be vulnerable in your workplace and not to put the bravado on that everybody else is carrying. It's countercultural to say to somebody at the school gate, 
Can you help me? So I want to encourage you that the band is going to play and we're going to just sit in some time of worship. And when you feel ready, if you feel that God is talking to you specifically about something to build, then just invite you to come down. And we've got a couple of tables here. And let's build something together. We've not even prescribed what we're going to build. But let's build something together as a sign. As as you choose to build bridges, it's not just your world that's affected. It's the kingdom of God that's built. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.